Today we'll find out why militant atheism is bad news for everyone, not just Christians. And author John Maxwell joins us to discuss leadership. We'll ask which presidential candidates have the best leadership qualities. Plus, there are several runoffs tomorrow, including the Dallas Sheriff's Race. We'll talk about that and the passing of Charlton Heston. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. God has set before you this day his laws of life and good and death and evil. Thou didst blow with thy winds and the sea covered them. Who is like unto thee, O Lord? From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. One of the greatest movie stars who ever lived, Charlton Heston, has passed away. Of course, uh, that was Charlton Heston in Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. He played the larger-than-life Moses figure in that movie. Uh, And we also know that he was a great man. He cared about the culture. He cared about his country. And he actually had the strength of character to put uh, some of those thoughts and words and feelings into motion in various ways. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was a liberal early on. He opposed the Vietnam War, but he made a point to visit the troops and uh, really uh, make their lives a little bit more pleasurable. Uh, at one point in his life, he did change party labels. He took on the GOP designation. He became a real conservative. Uh, he was also a champion of civil liberties. Uh, part of that decision, uh, of course, uh, spurred on by the Robert Bork battle uh, for Supreme Court justice and his eventual denial of a Supreme Court seat. And uh, he also was president. He was a great leader. We're going to talk about leadership today. He was president of the Screen Actors Guild and as many know, uh, the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Uh, He was a great man, and of course, he starred in many great movies. Here is another piece from one of those. Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, Again, uh, Charlton Heston, of course, in the Ten Commandments with the armies of Pharaoh on one side and the Red Sea on the other. He told the Israelites to watch as God would provide a miraculous escape. And ladies and gentlemen, we would love to hear uh, what you think about Charlton Heston. Do you have any comments on this great man, great actor, of course? I mean, who couldn't have loved him in The Planet of the Apes uh, and many, many other movies? 
But uh, we would just love to hear your comments on Charlton Heston. What movies did you like him in? And what about his positions on issues? Give us a call, 800-881-9270. Also, have you voted uh, in the runoff in your community? The vote is tomorrow. And we're going to talk with one candidate uh, that is uh, actually in a runoff tomorrow for Dallas Sheriff. Uh, He is Lowell Kennedy, and he's going to join us later in the program. And also, leading companies throughout the world seek out John Maxwell to speak uh, to their executives and their employees on leadership challenges. And uh, he is going to join us later in the program. Uh, John Maxwell, uh, he's just got tons to say, and I hate that we only have him for a few minutes. But we're going to ask him, among other questions, how the presidential candidates stack up in terms of leadership Abilities That will be a little bit later in the program. Well, your calls are coming in on Charlton Heston. Let's go now to Bertha in Arlington. Bertha, thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call. I just want to say I think he's one of the greatest actors that there ever was. And um, as far as I've learned a lot from him, from his tapes that he did on the Bible, on the, uh, it's kind of like a walk through the Bible type series. That was very, very interesting what he did uh, about going over and walking through parts of the Middle East and talking about it and the history of it. That was very, very interesting. Well, I've never heard those, but I bet those are just awesome, especially with that wonderful voice of his. Oh, who, could, who, couldn't, who couldn't be mesmerized by his voice? It was just awesome. And I think he was a very great man. He stood up for his beliefs to the very end. He stood for his beliefs. And you have to admire him for I might not have always believed in everything he stood for, but I admire him for a man of integrity that he was. Thank you so much, Bertha. We appreciate your call. Uh, let's go now to Steve in Garland. Steve, what are your comments about Charlton Heston? Uh, I just want to say that, um, yeah, Charlton Heston just one of uh, one of my heroes. Uh, I'm I'm 51 years old, and uh, my favorite movie that he was in was Ben Hur, which I think is uh, I always brag on that to my kids. I think that is perhaps one of the best portrayals of a man's change of heart in relationship to uh, his life crossing paths with Jesus Christ. At different points, from from the birth of Christ all the way through uh, uh, the crucifixion and even the resurrection, it's just a it is a great movie that just never gets old. Thank you, Steve. Uh, we appreciate it. So many movies, of course. Uh, here's another clip from the Ten Commandments. Gather your families and your flocks. We must go with all speed. Yes. Go where? The drown in the sea. How long will the fire hold Pharaoh back? After this day, you shall see his chariots no more. The Lord of hosts will do battle for us. Behold his mighty hand. God opens the sea with the blast of his nostrils. Lead them through the midst of the waters. His will be done. He opens the waters before them, and he bars our way with fire. Let us go from this place. Men cannot fight against a god. Better to die in battle with a god than live in shame. Charlton Heston, again, uh, we're mourning his death today. He did have Alzheimer's for the last five years, and I know that uh, his wife was at his side. He died Saturday night at age 84, a towering figure both in his politics and also on the screen. Uh, Of course, his characters, uh, one news report says, had the ear of God, of course, Moses and the Ten Commandments. And again, we're still taking your calls on Charlton Heston, 800-881-9270. Of course, Moses uh, surviving the plagues. Uh, The Omega Man was another one of his movies. And Ben-Hur, and of course, who could forget the chariot race? 
in Ben-Hur, uh, Julius Caesar playing Mark Anthony in uh, that movie, and uh, he also played an Anthony in Cleopatra. He played Michelangelo in The Agony and the Ecstasy. He played John the Baptist in The Greatest Story Ever Told. Uh, and the astronaut, of course, is in uh, the movie that I mentioned, The Planet of the Apes. He was really a larger-than-life figure. And he's also famous uh, for being uh, president of the NRA and got attacked by a lot of his cohorts in co- uh, Hollywood. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But let's go now to Dallas and talk with Farrell. Hi, Farrell. Thanks for calling. Hey, Penna, how's it going? Great. I think uh, the greatest scene of any movie was uh, his portrayal of Judah Ben-Hur when he's a slave going across the desert, uh, and Jesus gives him uh, the gourd of water, and the Roman centurion uh, says, I said no water for this one, but nevertheless, when the centurion looks eye to eye with Christ, uh, he he walks away, and uh, I just think that's the most powerful scene, I think, in any movie ever done. Oh, it is powerful. Well, it's hard to find the most powerful scene in uh, Charlton Heston's movies, but uh, that is a great one. And of course, in one of his speeches uh, that he made, uh, he said that uh, our culture has replaced the bloody arena fights of ancient Rome with stage fights on TV with Sally, Ricky. Of course, he was talking about some older TV shows. We've got others now. Sally, Ricky, Jerry, Jenny, and Rosie. Uh, uh, but we have others. In fact, the whole reality TV thing that I hate so much uh, is probably part of that voyeuristic culture. Uh, but uh, Ben-Hur did portray that culture. Well, let's go back, Larry, to uh, another movie. Uh, let's take a clip... Um, Five, if we can. Uh, this is Charlton Heston as John the Baptist in the greatest story ever told. Repent! Come here! Listen to the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Mm. Uh, these famous, uh, famous movies and famous cuts come back to us. Uh, they really come back to our minds. And let's go back to the phones because we are taking your comments. And uh, I, it's sad. Of course, I'm glad that he doesn't have to suffer from Alzheimer's anymore. Uh, but it is sad because we're losing somebody who has been a great, uh, a great presence on the American scene and really worldwide. Let's go now to Dallas and speak with Stephen about Charlton Heston. Hi, Stephen. Oh, it no. We've... A, it is a great privilege that we do lose Charlton here on this earth, but there's a rejoicing in the heaven, heavenly angels. And Mr. Charlton Heston was well known in Pakistan with the greatest movie Ben Hur, and had. Are you from Pakistan? Pakistan? I am originally from Pakistan. And so you heard of Charlton Heston there, yes. hmm. and saw his movie. And he was visiting, was in the late seventies, Rawalpindi, the twin city next to Islamabad, the Christ Church, where he came just to see the church. Really? And it was a blessing. And he had impacted a lot of lives over there. And I wish Hollywood would have great, legendary, moral, valued people like Charlton Heston. Nowadays, we need those people. Well, I feel uh, sad about that, too, because he really uh, got a lot of criticism from some of his peers in Hollywood, although in a sense... Uh, what other actor could have really had the stature to be able to take some of the positions he took uh, because he was such a great actor and acted in such um, classic movies. Uh, he did say in one of his speeches 
that to some I went straight from Moses to the devil. This is when he was sworn in as president of the National Rifle Association. He said, to some I fell from celluloid saint to cultural sinner because I have uh, felt obligated to defend an individual freedom our Constitution protects. Let's go now to another cut. This is Michelangelo, Charles Heston playing him in The Agony and the Ecstasy. I tell you what stands between us and the Greeks. Two thousand years of human suffering stand between us. Christ on his cross stands between us. Uh, He was also a civil rights activist, as I mentioned, uh, and uh, he actually marched for civil rights with Dr. Martin Luther King in 1963. And this was before uh, this was fashionable in Hollywood. As a matter of fact, he was risking his career, which was in its early beginnings back then, by doing this. And uh, he made in a speech, and this is from uh, James Herzen wrote about this. Some of you may read his comments on Hollywood at Newsmax.com. But he says that when in, uh, when in a speech, Charlton Heston tried to make a point about the concept of pride of heritage, black, white, or red, he was called a racist. Uh, and then when on another occasion he took exception to the idea of having special rights based on sexual orientation, At that uh, comment, he was labeled a homophobe, uh, and these are just a couple of the many blows that he suffered in the line of free uh, free speech duty. But James Herzen says Charlton Heston remained undeterred in expressing his ideas and beliefs in the public arena. And I I think that's why we Christians and conservatives respect him so much. And, uh, of course, uh, here's another statement that he made. He said, uh, and this he was admonishing Hollywood. He said, we see films made that diminish the American experience and example and sometimes trash it completely. Uh, And uh, then summing up his professional life, again, James Herzen writing this, he said, I've played three presidents, three saints, and two geniuses, and that's probably enough for any man. Not just any man, an American archetype. Go rest high upon the mountain, Chuck. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next up, we're going to talk about the culture, the society, uh, what we need to do as good citizens, as Charlton Heston was. In fact, I'm getting calls, uh, every day, several times a day, (laughs) reminding me that tomorrow is the day to vote in the runoff elections. Have you voted? You can vote tomorrow. In fact, you can vote in the primary that you voted in, Republican or Democrat. If you didn't vote at all, you can vote in either primary. Tomorrow we're going to talk about one of those candidates in a runoff, a four Dallas sheriff, Mr. Kennedy, Lowell Kennedy, will join us next. Stay with us for that. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian 
frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I have only five words for you. From my cold, dead hands. That's the only way anybody would take his rifle away from him. He was speaking before the NRA uh, on gun control, and he held the rifle over his head. Of course, I'm talking about Charlton Heston. Like Moses with the staff, and uttered these words of defiance about giving up any of his rights to keep and bear arms. Of course, there's a case about that being considered now by the United States Supreme Court. But right now, we're going to talk about elections, and we're going to talk about our civic duty to vote and uh, why we need to stay involved and participate in this. It's particularly important, I believe, for conservatives uh, to be involved in the culture uh, in this way. We can certainly do this in America. It's a vehicle that's been provided uh, by our Constitution, and uh, we should take advantage of it. Well, with us to discuss this, one candidate who is actually in the runoff tomorrow, uh, Lowell Kennedy, who is running for Dallas Sheriff, but we're kind of in here to talk uh, with him about our civic responsibility. He is a native Texan. He received his formal education in the Houston school system. Uh, After that, he received his bachelor's degree in philosophy with minor studies in religion from Baylor University. Uh, And then he has been in a career in uh, the police force. He began that in 1966 with the Dallas uh, Police Department. Uh, He rose up through the ranks in Dallas to the position of assistant chief of police. He also served as the chief of police for Irving. Lowell Kennedy is with me. Lowell, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, one of my huge uh, passions is to encourage people to get involved in the election process. And, of course, uh, when uh, primaries happen, then they're over and people think it's over, but it's not, is it? No, it's, it's certainly not over. As a matter of fact, tomorrow is uh, is another voting day for the runoff. And uh, and I, I appreciate your passion. I have a passion also. You know, we have uh, young men and women all over the, the world that are fighting and, and unfortunately in some cases dying to make absolutely sure that we maintain the right to select those who govern us. Uh, Lowell Kennedy is with me. Lowell, let's just go back to your race because, I mean, some people might not even really know. I mean, sheriff, it sounds very romantic, but what does a sheriff do? Well, <laughs> well, the sheriff actually has a number of responsibilities. The major responsibility that the sheriff of Dallas County has is uh, maintaining the jail, keeping the jail uh, in good good operating form. Uh, the sheriff has also responsibility for uh, providing police services for all of the unincorporated areas of Dallas County. And they, they also have a contract with Sunnyvale where they provide all of the police services for that, that particular city. They also provide the uh, <clears throat> uh, the warrant officers to go out and get the bad guys that we've identified, and we also have bailiffs in the court that are provided by the sheriff's department. I know that uh, you are a Christian and you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that inform the fact that you are involved in the political process? 
Well, of course, you know that's uh, that's certainly the the basis, the the foundation for uh, the beliefs that I have <clears throat> for law enforcement. They're all Christian based. And so, what what about uh, those who aren't running but are actually just sitting at home, uh, twiddling their thumbs, or going about their business uh, with their jobs? I mean, what's their role in this? Well, of course, their role, I want them to, as you do, to take an active role, uh, not just to go and vote, but to, but to take the time to do research and understand the people that uh, that have put themselves up for public office because, you know, these, these are the people that you put in the position to make decisions that affect your life every day. Uh, with the the internet, that's become uh, a great deal easier. You know, there's there's hardly an excuse now for people not to do the research and find out about the people that they choose to govern them. And I might mention uh, one way of doing some of this research, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, the Free Market Voters Guide, and uh, you can get that I think by going to freemarket.org. And Kelly Shackelford, of course, is a guest on this program often, and he's got information. And then also uh, Heritage Alliance, another group, and I think it's heritagealliance.org. So those two both have guides to help you in some of these elections. Can you talk a little bit about uh, this race, Lowell, in Dallas? Lowell Kennedy is our guest, and, of course, he's running in the runoff. Um, and he's got, you know, one Republican opponent, and then, of course, then you're going to be running against the incumbent sheriff, Lupe Valdez. So can you just kind of give us the dynamics of some of this? Uh, yes, of course. We started out with uh, four in the re- Republican primary, and, uh, of course, as, as you mentioned, uh, uh, my opponent and I are in the race uh, tomorrow, and whoever wins this race will be uh, facing Sheriff Valdez in the fall. Uh, it's going to be it's, it's a critical race. Uh, the Dallas County Sheriff is is an incredibly important job in this uh, in this county or in all counties for that matter. Uh, providing the kind of police protection, uh, the housing of those people who choose not to obey our laws, and providing some sense for how we may be able to to assist in making sure that those people don't come back, that they they do find, uh, you know, something better to do with their life, and uh, it becomes critical for all of us. All right. The Dallas Police Association, which is the largest police employee group, announced uh, that they're uh, endorsing you. Talk about your law enforcement background. Yes. uh, I I spent um, uh, 28 years with the Dallas Police Department and served in almost every uh, division in the in the police department had a real good background there, and then <clears throat> had the opportunity to move over to Irving, where I served as the chief of police for ten years. Uh, and the experience that I've had in uh, in building relationships with other law enforcement agencies, of course, has been very very good. It's served me quite well to be able to do that. I'm a I'm a bit of a coalition builder. I believe in relationships, and that. Uh, uh, all of the different governmental agencies within Dallas County need to come together and work together. And, I'm, and I consider myself pretty good at building those kind of relationships. All right, uh, Mr. Kennedy, you are a Republican. And, of course, there have been some big changes in Dallas County, uh, sort of heading Democrat, in a sense, in the last election. Why are these types of races partisan anyway? Well, <clears throat> you know, that's that's really a good question that's very, very difficult to, to answer. It's uh, you have to go back a long, long way in time to to determine when, in fact, uh, law and you know any law enforcement position uh, becomes partisan, uh, because there's not a separate jail or there's not separate uh, 
services that are available for Republicans that would not be available for Democrats. It is, it is, uh, it crosses party lines. And in getting the job, the the new sheriff is going to have to cross those party lines and provide the kind of services that are good for all people. Well, I do think that's important, and sort of leadership is important too. We're going to have John Maxwell on in the next uh, segment, but can you just kind of talk about the whole idea of leadership? Because you really do have to herd cats when you're sheriff, don't you? Right, and and leadership is is probably the key element. It's one of those things you know, it's incredibly difficult to describe, but uh, <clears throat> leadership is is the ability to to get people, to pull people together, to develop the kind of internal relationships where people will enjoy their work, They'll appre- that they feel appreciated in those things that they do, and you have a good, cohesive working organization. It's easy to tell the organizations that don't have that leadership. Lowell Kennedy, thank you so much, really, for putting yourself out there, number one, because uh, it's a great service to the public and anyone that runs for office, and also just for joining us today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow uh, is the runoff, and I uh, suggest that you research or just take a peek and find out if there is some kind of a runoff in your area. And uh, I do know that up in Collin County, Collin County Commissioner, there's an incumbent, Phyllis Cole, uh, and then there's a, a challenger, Matt Shaheen, who I just know because he goes to Prestonwood Baptist Church. And then uh, for Railroad con- uh, con- uh, Commissioner, on the Democrat side, there's a runoff between Dale Henry and Mark Thompson. And then there's, of course, this sheriff uh, the sheriff runoff. And then in several other districts, there are runoffs. And you'll I just can't go through all of them uh, to tell you which uh, which districts they're in. But there is one that's local here, uh, State Representative, District 112, and the Republicans between Randy Dunning, who have, uh, I've heard some really strange ads that I hear are sort of false about him, uh, and Angie Chen Button, and that's in uh, sort of the Garland area. Uh, but there's lots more, and you just really need to go to the websites I mentioned, freemarket.org and heritagealliance.com. And then, of course, uh, the general election comes up uh, you know, I'm not sure when the general election for the sheriff race is, whether it's in November or whether it comes up in May. Uh, I know there are some races in May for local um, for local candidates, school boards and, and uh, city councils, et cetera. But maybe, Andrew, you could find that out for sure. I have a feeling it's November, though. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's go back and just hear from Charlton Heston. Our country is crying out for a little statesmanship. We need to go back to the vision that led a ragtag army of colonial farmers to freedom. America's course was charted in the Constitution. Well, we've drifted off course. It's time to get back to the true bearing. You can't do that by stripping away the rights of those who obey the laws instead of punishing those who break them. Well, again, that's Charlton Heston, and uh, he did play an active role in support of gun rights through the NRA. He end up, uh, ended up serving as president of that organization, and uh, he was certainly a proponent of gun rights and also just constitutional freedom and individual rights, and uh, that's what he's famous for. And uh, right now, it's very interesting that he's in the news during a time when the Supreme Court is actually considering a very important case with regard to uh, deciding whether or not uh, the Second Amendment uh, applies to individuals or just to militias, to groups. 
and uh, that's going to be interesting. We certainly will follow that. Well, I just found out that uh, the sheriff election is also in November, along with everything else, and uh, I guess that's intuitive. But ladies and gentlemen, next up, uh, we're going to talk with a pretty exciting guest. Uh, he is the most influential author on leadership in the United States, Asia, and Africa, and he's a best-selling author. John Max- uh, Maxwell joins us next, so stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. And the law of addition says we add value to people by serving them. Well, that's the voice of our next guest. He is John Maxwell. And as I said, he is the most influential author on leadership in the United States. What a great comment. It was made on the 700 Club. And, uh, of course, John Maxwell has met with many heads of state. Uh, He regularly speaks for Fortune 500 companies and also for just diverse uh, audiences uh, like the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, for instance, the NFL, ambassadors to the United Nations. But we can claim him uh, as part of the body of Christ. He sold more than 14 million books on leadership, and he's hit the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Business Week bestseller lists. Last year, Amazon.com named him as one of 25 authors and artists to the Amazon.com 10th Anniversary Hall of Fame. John Maxwell is with us. And uh, Mr. Maxwell, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Penn. It's so nice to be with you and all the listeners, and uh, thanks for that Wow, that introduction, my mother would have loved to heard that, I think. Well, it's so good to have you, and we're so grateful for your influence uh, on leadership. We've just been talking to just a, one of the candidates in one of the runoff elections here in Dallas, and, you know, it's important to uh, develop these qualities for leadership. It doesn't just uh, happen in your family or in your church, but uh, these folks who put themselves out there for public office um, if they've got good qualities of leadership, and some of these are actual, actually biblical qualities, then uh, they do the whole nation a service, don't they? Oh, absolutely. You know, in the Old Testament, Penna, uh, when Israel had a good king, Israel prospered. When Israel had a bad king, they went right down the tubes. And that's not only true in that day and age, but it's also true today, and not only in America, but around the world. Everything rises and falls on leadership, and whenever... We can have uh, leaders that have character, integrity, people of trust. We all benefit from that, no doubt. What does it take to be a strong Christian leader? Well, I think it takes, uh, first of all, just really more than just a, uh, uh, a church membership. I think it really takes faith in Christ and, and the change that he makes within us. And uh, I, ha- I I go back to what Paul said one time when he said, if, if any person is in Christ, he or she becomes a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. I think that when God has made a difference in our life, one of the things that happens to us is that we want to make a difference in the lives of others. And I have found that to be very true for me, that purpose and, and meaning and mission all of that kind of stems from the fact of what God has done for me, and so therefore, what can I do uh, for others? And I think that kind of is the uh, starter uh, for many people, really uh, going out and adding value to so many more people. What God's done for them, they, they want to pass it on. 
Well, servant leadership is such a biblical uh, concept, and it really works. I mean, I'm old enough to know that it works uh, in many cases, and it's you know not all about me. It's about you. And so my question is, uh, does being a Bible-believing Christian actually kind of give you a leg up on being a well, better leader? Well, I think leader? it does, because the, the greatest leader ever lived, Hannah, was Jesus. And uh, to watch him, to, to follow him through the Gospels, is to see a person that greatly valued people. I mean... He continually drew people to him because he valued them, which is a major quality of a leader. And then he not only valued them, but he served them. Well, you, if you find a person that has a heart to serve others and has a, 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 a high evaluation of who people are or who they can become, it's a powerful combination. And Christ is our model. And uh, all we have to do is watch him and follow his footsteps through the Gospels, and we pretty well have a, a good visualization of what leadership's all about. This new book is Leadership Gold, and uh, John, this is the lessons you've learned from a lifetime of leading, so I, I imagine that this book is gold for people. Well, I hope it is. You know, Penny, I, I call it my old man book because uh, <laughs> I, I said I wouldn't write it till I was 60. I, I I've been teaching leadership for 35 years. I've been hanging with leaders. I've been listening and learning from leaders. And uh, along this journey, there are just a lot of lessons that I've applied to my life or applied to others. And, and, and I, as I was in my middle 50s, I, I began to say, I want to kind of leave a, a legacy leadership book. And, but I didn't want to write it until I was 60. I want to get perspective. And I, I want to make sure that the thoughts were mature, and uh, sure enough, when, when the day I turned uh, 60, Penna, I, I literally started writing this book. And I, I, what I thought came true, I thought that the main lessons would just kind of bubble up to the surface. And I just started picking them off and started writing them, short chapters, 26 lessons, kind of biographical. It's out of my life. I, I suppose the most interesting thing I discovered about myself in writing this book was um, that uh, of the 26 lessons, 17 of them, Penna, um, I, I did it wrong in the first the first time. In, in other words, that's how we learn. Yeah, yeah. And people look at leaders; they think, oh, they're you know they're fast, quick, smart. They see farther than anybody else. And we kind of sometimes put leadership on a pedestal. Literally, two thirds of the lessons, uh, I did it wrong. I, I I tried it and it didn't work, and I had to back up and say what happened. And I had to learn from my mistakes. And so I think when the reader picks this book up, they're going to be uh, connected immediately with me. Because I'm honest, I'm open, I'm transparent, and, and I think they're going to say, oh my goodness, if John could, who's known as a leader, could make these mistakes and kind of rebound and come back and lead successfully, you know, so could I. At least that kind of is my hope. Okay, now let's get, uh, let's apply. I think it'd be great if you were running for president or if you were president and you could be in the cabinet and you could help these people lead. But let's talk about the presidential candidates now because we've got three that have a chance to be elected president, and they all have, uh, excuse, excuse yourself, uh, they all have uh, strengths, and they all have weaknesses when it comes to leadership. So Correct. let's go to Hillary Clinton first, because uh, a lot of people think, well, she would be a good leader. She'd be breaking sort of a glass ceiling, in a sense, and a lot of women all are right. just excited about that. But what about, um, you know, I'm not sure whether they were real or not, but what about her tears and sort of emotionalism on the campaign trail? Well, I think that... Um I think what Hillary brings in a positive way to most people is that they look at her as a person that has had some experience because of her husband being in the presidency. And I think there's some truth there, and, and, and I, I give her credit in that area. <coughs> Excuse 
excuse me, Pan- bless you. Whatsoever. But I, I, I think, um, I, I think most people with her, not most, I shouldn't say that. I think a lot of people with her are not sure that they really trust her. I, I, I sometimes we, sometimes as leaders, there's a tendency for us to want to get our way to where we manipulate things, people's stories. And I just have a feeling. That's just I may be wrong, but I just have a feeling that that uh, there are there's a segment at least out there that that, that feels that way um, uh, concerning her. Okay, Barack Obama. I mean, he's young, and a lot of people are saying, "Well, he's you know only been in the Senate a short time, sure. and uh, he hasn't really led. I mean, he's never been a governor. Neither has any of the the candidates. But uh, do you see anything in him that uh, gives you maybe the idea that he might be a good or a bad leader?" Well, I, I think he gives hope. I, I, his candidacy, of course, I'm going to give away my age major now. His candidacy reminds me a lot of JFK. Uh, when John F. Kennedy came on the scene, young, smart, uh, good orator, articulated vision well, and the youth movement uh, really came in behind him. And, and, and I think that's happened with Barack. And, and I think um, he, he's been probably too idealistic. For a lot of people, but when you see who he appeals to, they're idealistic. And when when I was 25, Penna, I didn't think experience was necessary anyway. I just, you know, I thought that just work hard and 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 I, you know, as I've gotten older, the more I have valued what experience does for a person. So, I think Brock brings kind of like a fresh page to people, and that kind of excites them, and some idealism and hope. But uh, I think by and large, he's untested. Uh, Although that does not mean at all that he would would not be a, a good president, I, I think Abraham Lincoln was greatly untested as far as for the presidency also, and yet, you know, he performed so well. So, so what about the experience factor? It, I mean, I know that's it's helpful, but it's not crucial. No, no, it really is. In fact, in my book Leadership Gold, if, if, if I have a chapter entitled "Experience Isn't the Best Teacher," and I never have felt that. We hear that people say, "Well, experience is the best teacher. Experience is the best teacher." No, it's not. I know a lot of people that have a lot of experience, but they're not growing. They're not learning. If, if experience was the best teacher, as we got older, we'd all get better. Hmm. And that isn't true. I think evaluated experience is the best teacher. I think not what we go through, but what we learn about what we go through is where we do our growth. And uh, so I, I think that experience can be overrated. I think in, in a job this with this magnitude... I think everybody wants to see some experience, though, be, just because the very fact it's a very it's a job that's going to be greatly tested, no doubt. Okay, let's go to John McCain. I mean, he certainly has experience in government, and he's led on a lot of legislation. Uh, but and also, he's kind of brought his com- campaign back. Is that sort of a good sign as far as his abilities? Well, I think everybody's surprised. I, th- I, I I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked that he he came back. I, I honestly thought eight months ago he was dead. I mean, and dead as far as politically. Uh, <coughs> and I'm very surprised Barack Obama had has, with momentum, uh, 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 passed Hillary. So th- those there are some surprises. I think John McCain brings security to people. I, I think he, he, with his age, his military background, um, his stance on um, the military, I think people, especially that are concerned about. Uh, um, Al-Qaeda, terrorists, I, I think that they migrate over to the John McCain camp. Um, so, I, I, you know what, each candidate has something to offer. But if I could sit down 
and have a one-on-one conversation, or if I could sit down with the three of them in a room, I know what I, I know what my lesson, leadership lesson would be uh, to all three of them, because I talk about leadership gold, and I found it to be true for me. I think it's true for every leader, and that is the toughest person to lead is always yourself. Wow. Okay, and this is the mark of a good leader, somebody who plays through uh, sickness. <laughs> so we appreciate your joining us today. Uh, get well from the cold. Oh, and the book sounds great. It just sounds like it could actually be helpful for anybody uh, in life. And it's called Leadership Gold by John Maxwell. Thank you so much, John, for joining us. Well, Pana, thank you and, and to your listeners. Have a great day, okay? You too. All right, next up, ladies and gentlemen, uh, who do you think would be the best leader? Which of the three biggie presidential candidates would be the best leader? If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. Hear, O Israel, remember this day when the strong hand of the Lord leads you out of bondage. Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments. And speaking of bondage, uh, that's sort of the uh, subject for the protests that's taking place uh, over the Olympics in Beijing right now. And ladies and gentlemen, I did mention I'd love to have you call in at 800-881-9270. And uh, we will take those calls uh, regarding who you think uh, exhibits the best leadership qualities. And, you know, maybe if you could separate that from uh, your favorite candidate, if you could just say who you, th- you know, maybe in the, in the positions, but just leadership qualities, 800-881-9270, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, or John McCain. I know there are other people that have come into the race now. I hear Bob Barr, former congressman from Georgia, is joining the race. Of course, you have Ralph Nader and Mike Ravel is still in it. But of these big three, uh, I'd love to hear from you on that. But uh, as you know, uh, there's a lot of controversy over the Olympics. And uh, right now, uh, Hillary Clinton is actually calling for George W. Bush to uh, boycott the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, not the Olympics themselves, but the opening ceremonies. Some uh, leaders are actually uh, doing that. Uh, Certain uh, national leaders will be doing that from other countries. Bush has not said he would do that. Uh, But she says that he should, that President Bush should do this. Uh, Angela Merkel, who is the German chancellor, has made plans to boycott this uh, uh, ceremony. And, of course, the reason is uh, China's crackdown in Tibet. And really it has to do with religious liberty, religious freedom there. And, uh, you know, I also think just his treatment or its treatment of Christians in mainland China, uh, we should have been thinking about this before 
the approval of uh, Beijing for the Olympics, but they're getting a great showcase, and they have not really improved the treatment of Christians and dissidents in that country. Uh, but if you, um, you know, if you look at the news today, you're seeing that this is uh, this is in the news. As a matter of fact, the Paris Olympic torch relay is actually being cut short. The flame has already been extinguished four times by security forces because there have been uh, clashes with the pro-Tibet and the human rights campaigners, and the city's mayor canceled a ceremony which was marking the passing of this torch. This was made, this decision was made after a Tibetan flag was draped over the city hall's facade, and the police were sent into the streets to protect the relay as it made its way around the city, and uh, these, uh, you know, this is maybe the beginning of this type of thing. Now, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, has also suggested boycotting the uh, opening ceremony. She thinks Bush should do that, and here's her quote. She says, how can world leaders watch the lighting of the Olympic torch under the One World, One Dream banner without taking bolder action to extinguish the flames of violence still consuming the defenseless men, women, and children of Darfur? And uh, we have reported on this program that Steven Spielberg actually pulled out of any role in the Beijing Olympics because of the situation in Darfur and China's role in this. Uh, But three climbers apparently got on top of the Golden Gate Bridge today and unveiled a pro-Tibet flag and banner. And I heard it was sort of a dangerous spot for them to be, but they were willing to get up there and protest. And so this is all getting very interesting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to mention uh, that tomorrow on the program, John Eldridge uh, will be joining us. His new book is Walking with God. We're also going to talk about the efforts of pro-choicers. Are they inherently prejudiced or racist? That is a very interesting topic, and I have said before that I think Barack Obama's uh, pro-abortion position is interesting since he uh, claims to carry the banner for the black community, and so many blacks, disproportionate number, have been uh, extinguished through abortion since Roe versus Wade, and of course there are so many uh, single black moms out there, and so it is a real problem and a real issue uh, to look at. And so I want to continue back, though, because uh, Hillary Clinton released a statement today, and she called for this um, very, very confrontational step she's asking President Bush to do, uh, that uh, he would actually boycott the Olympics. She said the violent clashes in Tibet and the failure of the Chinese government to use its full leverage with Sudan to stop this genocide in Darfur are opportunities for presidential leadership. And, of course, we have been talking about leadership today. Uh, These events underscore why I believe the Bush administration has been wrong. If you uh, think President Bush should boycott this ceremony, give us a call. Uh, Again, the number is 800-881-9270. You can weigh in on this on the program. Uh, But she says, again, that she believes the Bush administration has actually been wrong to downplay human rights in its policy towards China. Uh, At this time, and in light of recent events, she says she believes President Bush should not plan on attending the opening ceremonies in Beijing. But this is one time I agree with uh, some of the Democrats and the liberals uh, on uh, an issue, because I don't think a country should be able to get away with being in the public eye in a positive light when these types of things are taking place. Hillary Clinton, again, saying she encourages the Chinese to take advantage of the moment. 
and of course that Americans will stand strong in uh, support of freedom of religious and political expression. I have a friend uh, who is taking a trip over to China uh, in just a couple of weeks, and uh, she told me about the oppression of the house church movement in China. Of course, there is a registered church, and there's a house church movement, as many of you know. Uh, but the house church movement faces extreme persecution with many of those pastors uh, often being jailed and uh, also uh, in, in many other ways being persecuted. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, also saw another story out there. We've been talking on this program about who we think should be uh, the VP pick of um, John McCain. And when Condoleezza Rice's name is brought up, a lot of us will always say, and many people have said, that she wouldn't take the job and that she said she wouldn't take the job. Well, there's a new story out. Uh, ABC News reports that Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice is actually courting the vice presidential nomination. And a Republican strategist, former general, Dan Senor, said this. He says that Condi Rice has been act, uh, actively, actually in recent weeks, campaigning for this. Uh, he said this uh, yesterday on This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Maybe some of you saw that. And that Rice has actually been cozying up to the Republican elite. Uh, there is something that goes on in Washington, D.C. It's a sort of a confab that's put on by Grover Norquist, Americans for Tax Reform. He's been on this program before. He has this weekly meeting of conservative leaders, about 100 to 150 people uh, come together. And uh, guess who showed up at this? About 10 days ago, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. This is the first time a Secretary of State has actually visited this Wednesday meeting. And uh, so, you know, she does hold a lot of gravitas in a sense. And when you look at uh, who could be uh, president in the case that the president had uh, to step down for some reason or something happened to him, uh, a lot of people think that she would be a good person. She has uh, communicated that she is a pro-choice American. She doesn't like abortion, but she believes in a woman's right to choose. So I don't know whether pro-family conservatives will uh, glom on to that possibility, but I think it's very interesting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.